You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And that's what happened during the course of that game. You established what was going to be called and what wasn't going to be called. And then all of a sudden, in a pivotal moment of the game, now I'm going to make a call? Like, that's that's what bothered me. You know, I mean, holding is holding. You know, they, I, I heard that argument. You know, that's going 50 and a 45. If you get a ticket for going 50 and a 45, that cop is a dick. Hey now, what's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode... 255, where we are bouncing back strong from an enormous week on Radio Row, and we are doing it with one of my all-time favorites. Straight up, I love this guy. Three-time Super Bowl champ, two-time Pro Bowler. He played 12 years in the trenches. He has been a mainstay in the media for even longer. He is former Washington and Denver guard Mark Schlereth. You can hear him now on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. He brings outstanding color commentary on the NFL on Fox. He's also right here on the original side hustle, so I don't want to waste any time. He brings it every single time. Tremendous energy, tremendous insight. Let's get right to it. Episode 255 with former Pro Bowler Mark Slareth, and it's coming at you right now. First things first, before we break down that game, I got to know, man, how you doing? How you living? How's the family? How is everything? It's great to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back, Jim. Everybody's good, man. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're knee-deep in grandkids right now, so uh, they live 10 doors down from me, so they probably spend about uh, 75% of the time at my house and about 25% of the time at their house. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, and, you know, it's, it's great because I'm home. During the football season, I'm calling games, but I'm home, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I always pick them up from school. And now that we're in the off season, I pick them up every every day from school. So Monday through Friday, I'm I'm on pickup duty, which I absolutely love being in the carpool line. And I'm, I'm sure the parents that that their kids go to that school think I'm you know crazy because I'm the only guy that gets out of the car every time, every day. I'm out of the car as soon as the kids come out of the school building. And, you know, I jump in the air and I raise my hands up and I hoot and holler and, you know, and try to embarrass them. Uh, but uh, anyhow, man, I'm, I'm living. Life is good, man. Dude, that it is, is the it's absolute good to be best. a grandfather. I love that. That is the absolute best. And I got good news for you. Since you're enjoying that life so much, our second, we have two sons. One's graduating college this year. One's going in. And he had been waiting, but he found out he got into Boulder. So if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to take on one more. Can I send my senior yes. in high school? Can he come hang out with you too? <laughs> Absolutely. The more the merrier, man. Everybody's welcome. I knew it. I knew it, and I appreciate it, too. All right, so listen, it's midweek. We've all talked this thing to death already, including you, but I haven't gotten to talk to you about it myself. So let me quickly ask you and reset you. James Bradbury admitting that that holding call late in that game Sunday in the Super Bowl was, in fact, the correct call. I mean, he said as much. Do you think that was the right call at the right time, or do you have an issue with it? No, I thought it was a garbage call. One, it was it was ticky-tack at best. But here's it, like here's my biggest problem with that call, Jim, is that as a player, you know, we've had discussions or we had discussions or at least I had discussions with the with the official. I'd go to the ref before the game and basically say, hey, dude, listen, here's how it's going to go. Like if I get my hands outside a guy and a guy down, my hand is outside his body framework. 
throw the flag, hit me with it. I don't care. I, I get it. But I'm going to, like, one, the breastplates on a shoulder pad, God invented those so I could hold you. And if I have my hands inside on your breastplates, I'm going to drive you like a Cadillac. And there is that is not holding. That is a call that you cannot make. So just understand, this is the way this game is going to go. And I understand, and so you understand, and, and we all are on the same page, that I know what holding is, I know what it isn't. And and so you you establish that early in the game. So the first time any holding call, there was no there was no illegal contact calls, no holding calls until that ticky tack violation at the very end of the game. So you've established over the course of four quarters that that call isn't going to be made. And then all of a sudden, in a pivotal moment that takes your opportunity away for your offense, I'm not saying you'd win the game. And they did plenty of things to lose the game, right? You don't stop Kansas City one time in the second half. They have a you know a perfect record in the second half. I, I get that that's what cost you the game. But the fact that you didn't get another opportunity with the football at the end of that game with a minute 45 left to either go down and kick a game-tying field goal or to go out and win it, that to me is, is the biggest issue. And, you know, I, I look at it from a baseball perspective. And I heard, you know, Greg Maddox say this once, you know, first inning, I'd come out and I'd throw one, you know, on the outside corner and I'd get that call for a strike and then I'd move it out to the black. I get that call for a strike. I'd move it out an inch. I get that call for a strike. I'd move it out two inches. I get that call for a strike. I'd move it out three inches. That's a ball. Okay. Now we've established the strike zone. I want that strike zone, the first, second, third inning, but I also want it sixth, seventh and eighth inning. And as long as we're on the same page, we're good. And that's what happened during the course of that game. You established what was going to be called and what wasn't going to be called. And then all of a sudden, in a pivotal moment of the game, now I'm going to make a phone. Uh, now I'm going to make a call. Like that's that's what bothered me. And you know, I mean, holding is holding. You know, they. I, I heard that argument, dude. That's going. You know, that's going fifty and a forty-five. If you get a ticket for going fifty and a forty-five, that cop is a dick. Like, that's just, that's the only way to go. I mean, that's the only way I can explain it. That's just garbage to me. Dude, I've known you a long time, Mark. You and I go way, way, way back, and we've had a lot of great conversations. That's one of my favorite statements you've ever made to me on any of my platforms, that if a cop writes you up for going 50 and a 45, quote, that cop is a dick. Good on you, dude. Let me, let, let me ask you something. I, I don't disagree with you, and I'm certainly not going to refute anything you just said. That all makes sense. Let me ask you this, though. To that point, if you're going to call the game a certain way and you're going to call that game that way the whole game, if you could, can you get into that official's mind? Why do you think that guy threw that flag in that moment? How do you think he processed that? Like, what was going on other than, quote, he's a dick? Right. Like, again, I don't know. I don't know what was going through his mind. Now, I, I will say this. If he took to Bradbury on a couple of other, because you can go back through that game, whether it's Kansas City or whether it's Philadelphia, there were more egregious grabs, more egregious holds. And there were there were several times where illegal contact could have been called, you know, five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. You make contact with the receiver and the, and the quarterback is still in the pocket. That's a foul. And that happened multiple times throughout that game on both sides. And you didn't call any of those. Now, if you had warned Bradbury three or four times and say, hey, dude, you're, you're right on the edge. You're right on the edge. You're right on the edge. And all of a sudden you say, hey, the next one, man, I'm throwing a flag. And you do it again. Well, then I understand it. Then, then okay, you got me, right? But 
other than other than that, other than that going down right there, I just don't think there's any reason to throw that flag. And again, I look at that like that wasn't an egregious hold. That wasn't an obstructive hold. That was a little a, a barely grabbing of the jersey, and the jersey moved a little bit. By the way, on that same on that same play, the left tackle of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs got his hand on the face mask of sweat, the defensive end. That didn't get called. But and it should I don't think it should have got called. You know, it was kind of an incidental situation. But if you go back and look at it, you could definitely see the the face mask of sweat get jerked on, you know, get jerked uh as the left tackle gets his hand in it. But you know, again, that's not what cost the Philadelphia Eagles that game. Their lack of aggressiveness, their lack of getting a stop, their lack of hitting the quarterback, their lack of creating a turnover, their just death by a thousand paper cuts. Like at some point for me, like I'm not going to let you just paper cut me to death. At some point, hey man, I would rather die of a gaping wound than death by a thousand paper cuts. Meaning I'm going to go hit your quarterback. He's going to get a bloody nose. He may throw one over the top and get a touchdown on us but at least he's going to be aware that we're there. And Philly never made that adjustment through that entire second half. And that that's the disappointing part. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper or what's your beef? Yeah, right. Like, I, I hate that the game ended on that call, but I agree with you. That's not what cost him that game. Like, how about that so-called vaunted defense? Make a play, man. Get the hell off the field. Make a play, what? any play. Mark, let me ask you something. Like, the world has changed. Like, when you and I would talk when you played and then when you stopped playing and then you've come on the other side and you've got all these different platforms, right? You, you're you a radio mm-hmm. host and you've got a podcast and you do network games. So the world's changed. Let me ask you this. What do you make of Juju Smith-Schuster piling on with that Valentine's card tweet. Is content content? Is this the way this shit goes? Or if you're a gladiator, is there a fundamental level of respect that was somehow breached? Like, bottom line, when you see that, does that make you laugh or does that piss you off? It, that that one pissed me off because of the enormity of the game, the situation, you're, you're playing for a world championship, and that cost your team an opportunity to at least go down and tie a score with the one timeout and a minute 45 left. And that one to me is, is, um, is piling on. That one to me is unnecessary. Like I say this all the time, man, I'm a gracious loser, but I'm a bad winner and I will rub it in, but I won't do it unless I'm provoked. 
right? Like when you want to talk some smack to me, then I will come back over the top. But the bottom line is I would, I would never, you know, I'd win with a little bit more dignity, a little bit more humility than that. And especially on that serious of a play um, and, and the consequences of that play being what it was, uh, I don't, I personally didn't find any humor in that at all. You know, I, I hate to be like, I, I hate for you and I to be like the old heads, get the fuck off our lawn, you know, but I think you nailed it. Like right. it was unprovoked. It was unprovoked. Bradbury could not have been classier. He even said it was holding. If Bradbury's out here and he's not, this is not that guy at all. Bradbury would never do that. But if he's out there going on and on and on and on, and then you want to hit back and clap back, that's one thing, but that's not what that was, man. That was totally unprovoked. Yeah, that it was. And I just like, I looked at that like, wait, Wait a minute, dude, Juju, you, you're playing on a one-year contract, and at this point in your career, you're number three at best, and good for you, man. You got a uh, you got a world championship ring out of it, you know? And I, I'm like, I'm happy for them, and I'm happy. I, I'm not really happy for the Chiefs being a Bronco. You can't you know, be, dude. I know you're not like happy for them. That, that, that's that's like like you're not happy for them. For me. No, dude, you're not happy for them. I know you're not happy for them. No. <laughs> right, right. Um but you know, like I, I have a hard time rooting against Andy. I have a hard time rooting against Patrick because I like watching them. I, I like watching him call a game. I like watching them play. But oh my gosh, it's uh that that part is that part is difficult. And and like I said, man, what they did, I mean, they did that in eight possessions. Philadelphia did everything you're supposed to do to win a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Possess the ball, hold on to it, you know, um, do all those things and keep it down to eight possessions. And then all you have to do is get one stop. By the way, think about, you know, coaches always preach to you um, the little things, right? Discipline and all that stuff. They have a third down and one, and they get in that sneak formation where they're going to shove Jalen Hurts over the top, and their right guard jumps offside. He flinches, takes it to third and six. Jalen Hurts fumbles, bam, scoop and score by Bolton. And, you know, and that's that to me is the difference of the game. Those little things like that, not finding a way to get one stop in the second half, the little things that creep up and end up costing you a game like that game is different. If they stop, if they convert that third down, they eat up more clock. Maybe they go back down and score. Maybe they go in 17 points or 20 points, um, you know, 20 points ahead. And then in that last uh, that first drive, the opening drive of, of, the, of the third quarter, like Isaiah Pacheco, they they ran the ball like seven of t- seven of ten plays. They ran the ball. They ran it right down the Philadelphia Eagles' throats. So, like, if you're down seventeen, maybe you don't run the ball. Maybe you put your quarterback in harm's way again, coming off an ankle that he hurt toward the end of the first half. Like, there's so many little things that become you know huge things over the course of a game um would you just make a few stupid you know unforced errors so to speak I think you're right I mean because it did feel like a blowout for a time and Pacheco man I've never seen I don't want to say I've never seen a seventh rounder run that hard but I'm never I'm not sure I've ever seen a seventh round draft pick run that hard I mean I love the guy love the guy listen in other news as I mentioned you're immersed in the Denver sports scene you're a former Bronco great you're a current radio host I sat Mark with Sean Payton last week on Radio Row and you know loved his energy loved his mindset he came off great of course he had not yet spent any quality time with Russell Wilson before we get to Russ overall how would you characterize what Payton is inheriting and to you is it not a question of if he gets this thing turned around but when or is there a question of if 
No, for me, there's no question of if because I, I know who's going to be in charge, and that's going to be Sean Payton. And I also understand having you know a, a, a long relationship with Sean, um, and you know to the point where you know I've, I've consulted for the Saints when Sean was the head coach out there, and um, I spent some time with Sean, just understanding kind of his coaching philosophy and what he's going to try to accomplish, and. You know, being in charge, and I always say this, Jim, there's there's two types of fear that I think are imperative for a head coach in professional football, probably a head coach in any profession, you know, in any professional sport. Um, there's the biblical sense of fear, um, and you hear this all the time, like the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God, but the fear of the Lord is having this awesome reverence or respect. This guy has done it. He's got kind of pelts on the wall. He knows what he's doing. I've got a ton of respect for him as a coach, ton of respect for him as a guy. And like, I have this certain amount of reverence. So when he says, this is what we're going to do, I respect that. So I think you have to have that. I had that probably more than any other coach I've ever played for in my entire life was Joe Gibbs, man. There was like, he's the most regal person I think I've ever played for or ever been around. So you have this awesome kind of biblical fear, this awesome respect and reverence for him. The other thing is you got to straight up have fear. I got to be afraid of that guy because I know that guy makes the rules and I know he holds people accountable to those rules. And I know that if I screw up, I will lose my job. And Mike Shanahan was very much that way. He's a mentor. He's a great friend. He's a guy I spend a lot of time with. He's a guy I study the game with. He has taught me more about football than probably anybody that I've ever been around. But I tell you this. Having played for him, he wouldn't hesitate if I wasn't performing to cut my ass. And he may cut me, and at the very same meeting that he's cutting me, he'd go, hey, by the way, you know, Peggy and I are having pizza at the house tonight. Why don't you swing by and get a slice? You don't play for me anymore, but come have a piece of pizza. Like, there, there's, there was nothing that he wasn't ruthless about when it came to stuff like that. And so you have to have that kind of fear. Sean Payton brings both that reverence, that respect, but also, there's one mf -er in charge, and it's me. And if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, guess what? You won't be working here very long. And that's not only for players, probably more importantly, that's for the coaches. I think that's fascinating, Mark. What's better than watching the NBA action? Being a part of it with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. You can tap into all the excitement with the click of a button. New customers can place five bucks on any pregame money line bet and get 150 bucks in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Boost your NBA winnings with each leg that you add up to 100%. Same game parlay is so fun and it's a good way to get paid. So, download the app right now. Sign up with the code Rome, R-O-M-E. New customers can place 5 bucks on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Rome, R-O-M-E. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. I would say, for instance, to personalize that, my father... My father passed away when he was 59. He got cancer when he was 50. He owned a small business with my mother. 
I tried to go to work in the family business. They were manufacturers. It had nothing to do with media. I got out of media for a moment because I thought it was not for me. But And he never laid a hand on me ever. But I was always afraid of him. Like, we had a good relationship, mm-hmm. but I feared my old man, and it's, it was good. You know, like, I knew I don't want to mess with him. I don't want that smoke. And he was, he was fair, and he was great, but he was tough, like a tough Boston guy. I knew I never wanted that. And, by the way, to your point— I did work for him, and he did fire me, and it didn't affect our relationship. It was just business is business. You're not good at this. You never wanted to do this. You shouldn't have been in the family business. You're fired. What time are you coming over for dinner on Sunday night? So I know exactly what you're saying. Let me ask you this, though. So that said about Sean Payton, will Russ understand all that? Will Russ have that fear of him, that respect for him, that reverence for him? How do you think those two do together? Yeah, I think they'll be pretty good together because I think what happened to Russ last year was probably about as humiliating as anything that's ever happened to him. Um, And, you know, to call him pathetic would be an insult to pathetic things. He was god-awful. I mean, just awful. And one thing I've I've learned, you know, I had this conversation with Sean um, calling a game. And, you know, we're just kind of talking about, like, how do you attack this and, and, you know, all these different things. He goes, you know, first and foremost, like the problem with a lot of young coaches, and I put Nathaniel Hackett in that situation, the problem with a lot of young coaches is they see something that's juicy, right? They see a juicy matchup, something they feel like they can attack, something that is just, oh, my gosh, we can't afford not to attack this. And, you know, they're going to implement that. They're going to put that in. And oftentimes what happens when you see that juicy matchup and you're going to attack that juicy matchup, it puts somebody on your roster in harm's way. It puts somebody in your ro- on your roster that is going to have to do a job that they're not capable of doing. Maybe it's a back on a linebacker and blitz pickup. Maybe it's your right tackle who has got a really tough matchup and he's going to be one-on-one with a supremely gifted defensive end. And young coaches, what young coaches do is say, hey, we're going to run this anyway, even though that's a bad matchup for us, but we're going to run it anyway. We just have to hold up. That's what they said. We just have to hold up. And he goes, ultimately, what ends up happening is you may get the matchup one time, but on the second time or the third time, strip, sack, fumble, fumble return for a touchdown. You lose the game. So your biggest requirement or the biggest job that you have is to mitigate potential disaster. So I may see that juicy matchup, but I'm like, but we have a disastrous matchup over here, and therefore I'm going to bypass the juicy matchup because I can't hold up over here. And that's what veteran good coaches do. They mitigate disaster. So what Sean will do is he'll bring Russell in and say, here are the things you're really good at. Here are the things that you can do. This is the shit that you can't do. You're no good at. Let me show you. You know, let me show you rep by rep by rep by rep by rep what you're not good at. And therefore, you know what we're going to do? We're going to eliminate that. We're going to take that off your plate. We're not running that stuff. And and Sean is really good about essentially saying, I'm going to put you in positions to win. I'm going to put you in positions to lean on your strengths. I'm not going to put you in a position to fail. And all you have to do is look at his track record. You know, he gets a veteran quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who comes out and plays the best five games he probably has ever played and parlays that into a starting job and a, and a big, you know, starting contract. He gets Jameis Winston who throws 30 picks, who has nine fumbles that he lost, 
He gets him over there to be the starter. And in seven games before he tears his ACL, he has 14 touchdowns versus three picks. Like Sean, like there, Sean told me this about James Winston. There are a lot of dirty fingerprints on 30 interceptions. Tons of dirt. It's not just him. Tons of dirty fingerprints. And you know what? We're going to clean some of those fingerprints up. I guarantee you he won't throw 30 picks for me. I won't ever put him in that position. 15 touchdowns or 14 touchdowns, three picks in the seven games, and they were five and two. And that's Jameis Winston, who has never seen a team meeting that he didn't want to throw it inside of, you know? Like, so to me, it, it just goes to show you how good a coach he really is. Mark, your, your process, your personal process to me is amazing. And what I mean by that, I, I could tell you 10 or 12 things that I really admire and respect about you. But you've done this so long, and you're showing up in a way like you're just starting. Like you took this chip on your shoulder from when you played the game to, all right, I'm going to prove to everybody that I can do this off of the field as well. Except you're not just starting. You've always done this. You're the epitome of not... I have to do this. I get to do this. And you've always been that way. Like you're, you're providing a lot of content for a lot of platforms and you're showing up today like it's the only show you ever will have to do. I'm curious about process, man. Are you just, are you in love with the game that much? Are you that grateful? I think it's really unusual and very unique that you still show up this way after all this time. If you follow where I'm going with this. Yeah, yeah. I I think for me, a couple things. You know, you talked about your you talked about your father and and the family business, and um, I was very much the same as you. You know, I, I was scared to death of my father um, because my father was it was hard as a day is long. Um, fair. There's still things that resonate with me about my father. Things that are indelibly marked on me. He made this, you know, he made this incredible impact to me. I've never met a harder worker than my dad. And he used to say to me things like this all the time. He'd say, sweat or, or uh, luck has a smell of perspiration. He used to say all the time, luck has a smell of perspiration. Man, if you grind and you're willing to grind, good things are going to happen to you. And he used to tell me all the time also, find something you'd love to do and you'll never have to do a day's work. You'll never have to get up and go to work. And, and for me, those things really resonated with me as a kid. I loved professional football. I wanted to be a professional football player. I sacrificed everything I had to make that dream come true. And then I got to talk about it. Or I've gotten to talk about it for the last 23 years. Um, the, one of the things that fascinates me, and this is, you know, the curiosity, I think, is, is always something that's, um, that to me is a very important aspect of anything you do. Um, but I'm curious. And one of the things that fascinates me, Jim, is how much I don't know about the game. And I study it constantly. I mean, I'm constantly watching film. I go over to Mike Shanahan's house and watch film with him and, and learn about the origins, why something happened, why, you know, how we changed, you know, from this formation to that formation, the reason we did it. You know, he's got the history of, of the game, and I'm fascinated by it all the time. And so I'm constantly trying to learn, constantly trying to pick the brain of coaches I know, um, constantly talking about the game uh, and enjoying the game. And, and it truly is one of those things where, man, I, I am living out a childhood dream to this day. This is not work. This is fun. I get to talk to you, freaking Jim Rome. And I get to talk about the game I love, the the lifeblood that courses through my veins. Like, how, how good is that? I mean, I just am like, 
you want to talk about blessed that, you know, that's, that's just how I feel about this game. Man, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I, I appreciate our friendship and our time together. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. You've had this amazing career. You played 12 years. You had 29 surgeries. You have multiple rings. But keep in mind, and I'm not sure that every listener knows this, you grew up in Alaska. You never made an all-star team, right, when you were in high school or an all-state team, I should say, in high school. Then you go to the University of Idaho. Things start to change. I'm curious what changed. Was it your body or was it your mind? Like, how did you become that guy starting where you started? Um. It was always one of those things, I think, that um, I was always told how you wouldn't make it. You know, you're a kid from Alaska. You're not going to make it. You can't you're not going to play pro football. I mean, that's a that's a pipe dream. And then even in in college, you know, I was retired as a junior because of my injury history um, and and it basically signed papers to limit the University of Idaho's uh, risk toward me as a liability risk. Um, to come back and play my senior year and switch positions, you know, from defensive to offensive side, had no agent, showed up to other people's other people's. I showed up to other people's workouts <laughs> and begged scouts to let me work out with no agent and just begged for an opportunity. And um, and, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do to 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 make a dream come true. Right. And so there's always going to be those obstacles and always those doors that shut. Um, you know, and you just got to find another way in. So that was always just part of my makeup. And that goes back to the conversation we had, you know, about my father, man, that's the hardest working dude. Like he just finished, um, my mom passed away last year and, um, and on her, on her deathbed, she told my dad, you have to retire. And so my dad has gone through this. It's incredible watching my father, the transformation from, a guy that got taken care of by his wife for 50 years to all of a sudden being the caregiver. And it was like a caterpillar, the metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly. My dad, it's an incredible journey that I watched my dad go through. And as my mom was dying, we were in the hospital with my mother and and she would wake up every now and again. She would say, Hey, get a piece of paper. She would tell me, get a piece of paper, get a pen. She goes, uh, write these things down. And she'd be like, dad, I want dad to retire. I don't want him to keep going to work. And so my dad is 83 years old. He retired after 56 years at State Farm. He retired in October. And he has checked everything off that list that my mother gave him. Um, And it's just been this, like, it's one of the most beautiful, incredible journeys, um, you know, that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been honored to get to watch um, had it not been this process of my mom having blood cancer and then ended up getting COVID and, and passing away. But this amazing couple year journey of watching my father uh, go from always being taken care of to being the primary caregiver and the grace, um, the grace and the love that he did it with. Um, it, it was awe inspiring for me. And so, you know, he's a guy that has always inspired me and a guy that, uh, 
that I have just, there's nobody on the planet I have more respect for than my dad. Dude, I, I would walk off on that because that is beautiful, man. <laughs> that is beautiful. That is an amazing story. Mark, really quickly, like you talked about your dad and I know where you get a lot of what you have from him. What was your mom like? My mom, you know, interestingly enough, um, I am much more like my mother than I am my father. Hmm. Um, so, you know, we always joke in my house that I'm the maternal one, Funny, <laughs> you know, funny. my wife's in charge and I'm, I'm far more maternal. Like I am, um, I am that guy, you know, I love picking up the kids from school. I love like that aspect of me. I'm very kind of emotionally, um, invested in all that stuff with the kids. So, um, I'm very much tender hearted like that, like my mother was. And, um, so my personality is probably like that's my everyday personality and then of course you know when you get into the competition aspect of things um you know i told you this a long time ago man i like there's always a game going on if you don't know what it is you're probably it and when it comes to competing i don't care if we're washing dishes you know i, I want to whip your ass at dishwashing that's just the way i'm wired so that probably is is more of my father but my mother um, I've always been kind of a tender hearted person that way. And, and that is my mom's personality. It's so true. I've seen you with your kids. I've seen you post about your kids. I know that's true. Leave me with this thought. How is your culinary side hustle going? How big is the brand now? And what kind of products are you creating? Yeah, you know what? We're kind of we're just kind of in the same little boat here uh, uh, being in uh you know, the stinking good green chili. We've got a line of queso dip as well. We're working on a line of hot sauce. Uh, but yeah, it's been just kind of a labor of love and a, and a slow growth process. So um, we're in, you know, we're in all the stores here in Colorado. And then we're in a few, we're in a few stores uh, in Arizona and New Mexico. And, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that uh, labor of love and a fun kind of little side hustle project for us. Mark, can you get it online or do you have to only get it in store? No, you can get it online, stinkinggood.com, just one end, stinkinggood.com. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun, that's been a fun journey, man. We've had a good time with it. And, uh, you know, whatever happens, maybe it gets big someday, maybe it doesn't, but whatever. Uh, it's been like, you know, it's like anything. It's it's uh, what my dad used to tell me all the time when I was a kid, you know, overnight success usually takes about 20 years. So just keep on grinding. I love it, man. I love it. Mark, yeah. appreciate you so much. Appreciate the friendship. Appreciate the relationship. Appreciate the amazing content once again, man. You are the best. Thank you so much for that. Anytime, Jim, man. Take care. It's always good catching up. I'm telling you, hate to be that guy. Hate to be I told you so guy, but I told you so. How good is he? How amazing is he? We have done 255 eps of the side hustle, but not many of those dudes have shown up the way Mark Slurv just did and the way he always does. Amazing to run him down and get caught up and chop it up and still hear the energy and passion that he has for the game, for family, for the platform, literally for everything he does. My enormous thanks to a tremendous guy, Mark Slurv. If you're looking for more of that, more free, premium, and extended conversations just like that one, then go ahead and subscribe right now. That way you never miss another episode. And believe me, we have plenty more coming, such as episode 256, which we'll be dropping next week. So throw us a sub if you don't mind, and I will catch you next week.